May all grace, mercy, and peace come to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I said earlier, our, our epistle lesson from 1 Corinthians 1 will serve as the basis for the sermon today. I remember growing up back in the, uh, the 70s and the 80s, and it was that time, it was a fun time to grow up, but it was also a scary time. Uh, it was, if you remember, it was the height of the Cold War. And um, it seemed like all the evening news was dominated by Eastern Bloc nations and communism stories and whatnot. I remember hearing about one in particular story that occurred uh, in Poland, of all places. And at the time, the prime minister was uh, was uh, a guy by the name of Yarolewski. I can't even pronounce his name. Yaroleski. <laughs> um, and I can't even begin to pronounce his first name, so I'm not going to try. Um, but the government, his government in particular, had gone on a crusade of removing all the crucifixes from the schools, just as they had already been banned from factories and public places and whatnot. And this caused a big stir in Poland, so much so that the Catholic bishops of Poland rose up and vehemently opposed this ban that was causing so much resentment across all of Poland. Finally, the, the, the Polish government relented. They insisted that the law stay on the books, but what they said was that they weren't going to enforce it. So they let it stand. Well, there was one in particular communist, overzealous Communist Party member in a city called Garland who said, you know what, the law is the law. These crucifixes are coming down. So he'd gone into a lecture hall of a school that had been around since 1920. And as old as the school was, these seven crucifixes that he had removed had been hanging there since 1920. Well, that really upset the town folks and the parents. So several days later, the parents broke into the school and hung up twice as many crosses in the school. Well, that same communist administrator went in the next day and removed them all. Well, the day after that, two-thirds of the school's population, which is about 600 students, went in and staged to sit in, in the school, bringing all their crosses from their houses and, and sitting in. And well, the government said, well, we're going to uh, heavily arm our guards and send them to the school where they drove these students out into the street. So there were all these students in the city of Garland walking down the street, proudly holding their crosses high and headed towards the, the nearest uh, Catholic church where they joined many other classmates from the region. And they sat there that day holding their crosses high in tears. Now outside the church, all the heavily armed guards and troops were out there surrounding it. But inside were all these students proudly holding and praying in morning prayer, the cross is high. And this was the image that flashed all around the world where all these students and this whole congregation where the crucifixes held high. Not only was that flashed around the world, but the words of the bishop that spoke to them that morning also flashed around the world. And the words were this, there is no Poland without the cross. I never forget those days. All Tom Brokaw every evening talking about everything on the news and communism. I remember uh, the two-year period of martial law that was imposed in Poland and how communism you know, ran on the theme of atheism, and that's what they were trying to uh, really instill in the people. But not really, because if you think about it, they wanted people to believe in them as the higher power and the greater good. I also remember the assassination attempt Pope John Paul II, for those of you who remember back in those days. 
And it's amazing how when religion threatens human institutions, that those institutions seek to to remove the source that threatens them. Why? Partly because it threatens their status in life and partly because we think our human wisdom is greater than that which threatens us. There's a great chasm between the thinking of God and the thinking of man. The wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. Human understanding is honestly just that. Human understanding. Wisdom apart from God is what? It's folly. And yet mankind throughout history has thought that their wisdom is better than God's wisdom. They've looked to the cross as foolishness, as folly. The Apostle Paul preaches, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Think about the cross. When you look up there, what do you see? The cross, the word of the cross, is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are believers, it's power. The cross is where God reveals Himself to His creation. It's where He reveals His divine power. It's where He reveals His infinite wisdom and the ultimate goal of humanity, salvation. And yet, the cross is perhaps the last place that our human understanding would look to for our salvation. Why? Because we lost that ability to be on God's plane of wisdom and that original sin in the garden. I love Paul. Paul's a dynamic preacher. Paul, Paul just has a way about him. At times, he's tenderhearted and he's caring, and at other times, well, he can be harsh when he needs to be, especially as he addresses the churches uh, and under his charge that he addresses in his letters. And his marketing tool, when you look at how he addresses these churches, is what? His marketing tool is the cross. Honestly, though, <laughs> perhaps it's not the best marketing tool to use in those early days. I, and I say that for this reason. Where did the cross come from? Think of those early days of the church. The cross was the marketing tool of the Roman Empire. That's what they used to threaten subversion and those who would seek insurrection. It was reserved for the, the dangerous of, most dangerous of people. It was and the, and the, the people who, that they considered to be the dirtiest people in the world. They used it to put people down, to say, this is the harshest form of treatment that we can give to somebody. And that's what they used to put people in check. But Paul uses the cross to what? To proclaim God's wisdom and His divine power. And yet the cross is a stumbling block for so many people, as Paul points out. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. And it's offensive to the intellect of the Gentiles. I love Paul, though. He just over time and time again tells about this cross. He proclaims the foolishness of the cross as a way of proclaiming God's wisdom for salvation. Why would God use such an embarrassing and excruciatingly painful tool to encounter His creation? Why would He use this to proclaim His wisdom for the world? Well, God uses the foolishness of the cross to show just how foolish humanity's wisdom is 
and trying to encounter God. The Jewish people demanded signs. The Greeks sought wisdom in philosophy and debates. And the proclamation of Christ crucified defies all human logic. It offends the Jews and the Gentiles both. And so, through the means of the cross, God, what He does is contradicts our human understanding and our ways of seeking Him out. He destroys our ways. He embarrasses our intellect and our efforts of trying to explain and understand Him. I think about society today. Think about society throughout his, you know, history. Our ways of trying to build our intellect to rival God's. Our ways of trying to encounter God. There's many in this world. I have some of my own family who think that they combine one thing, one wisdom and philosophy with just a part of the Bible as their own method of worshiping, of understanding, of encountering God. But that's not how it works. Some people believe that all they got to do is do good works. I'm a good human being. Therefore, I've reconciled myself with God. But there is no way, nothing that we can do. Our understanding is foolish. But God's is wise. The cross is where God not only encounters us, but where He embraces us. It's where both Jews and Gentiles alike are called into a relationship with God. The cross proclaims God's wisdom. And through the word of the cross, we encounter in faith not only the understanding of salvation, but the very essence of our Christian being, of our callings, of what God has called us in to be. And for Paul, this is everything. His preaching doesn't diminish. It doesn't downplay. It doesn't seek to remove the power and wisdom of God displayed on the cross. Paul knows what the cross of Christ means for him. He knows what his encounter of Christ has done for him. And he knows what it means for others. So let me ask you, what's your understanding of the cross? What does it mean for you and for others? Is it just a symbol that we wear around our our necks and adorn ourselves in jewelry? Do we look up there and go, yeah, that was something that happened in human history at some point? Or do we look at that and say, this is where God came to me, came to us, because God so loved the world He gave His only Son to die for it. But not only that, do we not only look at that and say, this is our salvation, but perhaps do we also look at it and say, And out of that response for what God's done for you, for me, I'm going to go live out the life of the cross. Because the cross isn't just a symbol. The cross is where salvation and reconciliation have happened and continue to happen. And think about atheism. It's still very much alive today in society. Ways that people try to encounter God. And when we look upon the cross, hopefully it's not just silent acknowledgement that yes, I've been saved. Hopefully we look at it and say, I want to take that cross and give it to others who need it so badly, so desperately in this world. So what does the cross mean to you? How are we preaching Christ crucified? Preaching isn't just verbal. 
It's not just some minister standing behind the pulpit. It's not just us sharing with our neighbors Scripture. Yes, that is a very big component of it. But preaching Christ crucified is our actions. It's showing others what Christ means to us and what Christ has done for us. It's getting out of our comfort zones and taking the time and the talents and the possessions that God has given to us as blessings and using that for the benefit of His creation. So what does Christ crucified mean to you? How are you? How are we? How are we as ascension preaching Christ crucified? Years ago, there was a, there was a cartoonist uh, in a large metropolitan area that um, in one of his daily cartoons, he had a scene with two students sitting down at desks. And one student had a pile of books, and on the books it said, uh, Understanding for Life. And the other student that was sitting there had one book, and it said, This is the only book you need for life. And it had the, the sign of the cross on it. And the caption read, who is the wiser student? And you know, I thought about that. I laughed about it at the time, but when I came across it again, I'm like, ah, yeah. How am I seeking to be wise today? Because it's only the wisdom in God, the wisdom of the cross, that is the impetus for, going, for us going out and living out the life of the cross. And Think about how the Word is so prevalent in our lives as Christians. How God makes Himself available to us. That's not, you know, our ways are not wise apart from God. And so we got to build up our wisdom in Christ so that we can live out the life of the cross. And for sure, we have those times that we falter in proclaiming Christ crucified. Be it leaving, leaning on our own understanding or shirking our responsibilities, trying to diminish the power of the cross by not sharing the word. Or getting caught up in the actions that we know were wrong. Instead of standing firm in God's word and proclaiming his wisdom. But the cross of Christ will always stand tall. And it will always cast its shadow of love and of unity and reconciliation over creation. And the word of cross is immutable. And it's omnipotent. And its power breaks the bonds that separate creation from God. And it overcomes death, devil, and sin. And its word, its word speaks to us in our baptisms, cleansing us and helping us to proclaim Christ crucified to a world that so desperately needs the cross. To be faithful to the cross is to be foolish according to the world. But according to Paul, to be foolish is to be wise. And it's the fools, the fools who see clearly that without the cross of Christ, there really is no life. So I pray, my friends, I pray that we proclaim Christ crucified and live by the life given by Christ crucified. And to God be all the glory. Amen.